0: So what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Oh, it, does. it it feels
1: it, bad, it, it feels There's like virt- it feels like virtue signaling. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It feels like that. Yeah. Whether it is or it isn't, that's what it feels
2: like. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, that's a legitimate argument. But there is a flip side of that argument, which is folks who oppose any kind of Western medicine anymore out of some kind of political tribalism. And we're seeing a lot of that in the culture these days. Yeah, that's true.
1: Ellis Ennigan, Hannah Cox, Jesse Weber, thank you. Great panel. Really appreciate it. That does it for us tonight. Thanks for watching. Banfield starts out.
0: and welcome to Friday night on Banfield. And you know what? This is our last Friday in August. That always gives me a little chill because it kind of makes me feel like summer's over. So I've got a big special uh, program for you tonight with some big breaking news off the top. Uh, The Menendez brothers. I'll bet you didn't think that you were going to hear big breaking news about the Menendez brothers. But there is news to report tonight. We can tell you exclusively that there is now a second track to release those guys from prison. Uh, they were sentenced uh, because of 27 years ago, one of the most sensational murder trials that this country's ever seen. They were sentenced to life, no parole. Um, and there has been some recent evidence showing that their defense, which was we killed our parents because our dad was abusing us, sexually abusing us, there is some new evidence that someone else may have the same story. And now, tonight, there is a brand new track in how to get them out. Of prison. You're going to hear all about it from their attorney. That's all exclusive. That's coming up. And then police say that this guy has an absolute disregard for human life and will strike again. That is not something that you want to hear, especially if you're a female jogger, like Rachel Morin was. She was that mom of five who was murdered when she went out for a run at 6 o'clock, broad daylight in Maryland. And now police say he's out there somewhere and he will do it again. So it made us wonder, well, then... If they believe that he struck in California and in Maryland, that's a big country in between for all the female joggers out there who like to go outside and, you know, be. So what was different about the trail she was on? What did it look like? Was it one of those dangerous skinny ones or was it one of those big, wide, well-traveled ones? And not only that, shouldn't we be able to go on all trails? In any case, we're going to retrace her steps. I'm going to take you into that trail so you can see what it was for yourself. And then we're also going to show you some other cases that are eerily similar to Rachel Morin's, uh, other female joggers who have been murdered while out doing what we should all be allowed to do. And then because it is the last Friday in August, uh, I am sort of taking you back to this haunting crime that for half a century no one's been able to solve. Three little Girl Scouts who went to sleepaway camp, just little kids, little girls, And Sleepaway Camp for Girl Scouts should be the safest place you can go where you're farthest away from the evils of the world, and the evils of the world visited those girls and murdered them at that camp. Camp Scott still haunts their parents, and it still haunts the rest of us, and I'm going to take you back there in honor of it being the last Friday in August. Let's start with the Menendez Brothers show, though, shall we? Because this is news that I am really waiting to see either come into fruition or be finalized once and for all. Because when somebody gets sentenced to life without parole for killing their parents, you don't really expect they're going to get out. You really don't. But I can tell you tonight that the Menendez brothers have a legal team that are working to not only try to get their, their, uh, their actual trial result tossed out and the sentences that they got tossed out, but they're also trying to get them resentenced. That's a whole other track. That's a brand-new parallel effort that the legal team representing the Menendez brothers is now going to follow to try to get them out of prison sooner, maybe even real soon. So here's how uh, it all sort of came down. 33 years ago, their their parents, Kitty and Jose Menendez, were shot dead. And the boys, uh, well, 27 years ago, they were sentenced for It, it was a bit, you know... <clears throat> Excuse me. It was a bit tricky because they ended up actually uh, going through a couple of different trial processes. But recently, a member of Menudo, the boy band, came forward to say that he was abused by their dad. Dad was a record exec. So this new evidence has us all sort of thrown for a loop. Um, Mark Garagos is the trial attorney for uh, Lyle and Eric Menendez. He's also the co-host of Reasonable Doubt Podcast with Adam Carolla. Mark, what is this news? Tell me all about it.
2: Well, you know, we've been talking or we filed originally, uh, back in May, the writ of habeas corpus, as you know, when you reported on it, the judge uh, issued a, uh, a request that the D.A. informally reply. The D.A. has, as far as I can tell, taken that very seriously, requested more time, has requested the transcripts and is really digging into this. And you did a very good summary there of that track, if you will. Now in California, there also is a resentencing law. And so at the same time that we're pursuing the habeas, which is to overturn the convictions, we have been assembling and uh, will will also be presenting what's called mitigation evidence, For a potential resentencing. So I jokingly, at least internally say we walk and chew gum at the same time here as we're assembling the mitigation evidence. uh, It has become increasingly apparent to me that these two young men, I say that because they're younger than me, have done some incredible, incredible work over the almost 34 years that they've been in prison. They were separated for many of those years in separate institutions, both of them starting programs, helping other prisoners uh, counseling other prisoners being kind of uh leaders in what is called the inmate government in their respective institutions, uh saving the taxpayers millions and millions of dollars because of some of the programs they 've instituted and we're hopeful that when that presentation takes place, which we uh anticipate at least presenting to the d a in short order uh, that we will also have that track on um uh, uh, front and
0: center. So many questions, and not the least of which is the whole. You kind of blew my mind with the idea that you want to use as a mitigation tactic how they have been in prison to, to get a resentencing. I've never heard anybody say that. Hey, judge, you know, uh, g- give me, you know, go light on the sentence because I've been serving time and I and I've been doing well. So it's really fascinating that that you would use this tactic. What are what are the chances? that you're going to prevail on tac 1 which is to vacate the the actual verdict or tac 2 you can mitigate the sentence and draw it down and while you're answering that how drawn down would the sentence be does that mean they would like get out tomorrow
2: well if they had if they were afforded the same um, kind of legal uh, rights at trial number 2 that they were at trial number one, which specifically was that the judge didn't pull the rug out from under them and disallow the idea of imperfect self-defense. For those non-lawyers, imperfect self-defense is you did an act, you thought it was in self-defense, it was not objectively, but subjectively you had that argument. Now, mind you, two separate juries, the first go-round, heard all of this mitigation style evidence if you will that went to the imperfect self defense and they voted that the majority of them that it was not murder they didn't they weren't acquitting them they were saying that negates malice the mental state that takes this down to a a homicide that is a manslaughter that's where they were hung trial number 2 the judge did not allow that he did not allow imperfect self defense he allowed David Kahn, the then prosecutor, to argue in closing that it was an abuse excuse. Well, the argument now on prong number one, if you will, the habeas, is it was not an excuse at all. Uh, There was substantial compelling evidence, so much so that two separate juries, one for Lyle, one for Eric, both overwhelmingly did not believe that there was malice. Um, And now we've got a third party, as you mentioned, the, from the boy band Menudo. So that's there. Then you take the resentencing prong of this. And I can't tell you how impressive I've been going through it for the last month, if you will. And I can't tell you how impressive what they've done, mind you, 21 and 18 respectively, that they've been in prison. That, those were their ages. And they're sentenced to LWAP, which is life 20, without 21
0: fraud. and 18? Is that... Um-
2: 20, an
0: 18, I was a young yeah. cub reporter back then. That, that's a long time. So this is a weird question. I don't know if you can answer it or not. But, you know, anybody who follows, you know, true crime or knows a little bit about the law, we know that laws are not retroactive, meaning if you change a law right now, you can't apply it uh, because it wasn't the law at the time something happened. But societal norms have also changed. Is that retroactive? So, if you do prevail in a resentencing, do you think that new societal norms on sex abuse and um, you know abuse by your parents—people um, used to scoff at these guys; they didn't believe in it. Now, people wouldn't scoff. So, will those things be retroactive, and might that play to your effort?
2: Well, I think that when evaluating this case today, in the, through the prism of 2023. It's a, it's a light years, it's a sea change from back in the 90s. I think I've told you before, Ashley, I tried a case roughly the same year with a woman using battered women's syndrome in the L.A. Superior Court in the 90s. She was able to use the battered woman's syndrome. We ended up getting her a manslaughter and probation. That is arguably what they should have gotten if they were, if they had been at that point, the Menendez sisters. I think that would have been the result.
0: So the other thing when you're dealing with, uh, certainly if you're dealing with cold cases that are 10, 15, 20, 30 years, um, the big struggle is faded memories, dead witnesses. Uh, dead prosecutors, dead police, all sorts of people who just can 't be a part of the process again. What are you facing with the players in the Menendez cases? I mean, is that going to be an issue, and again, is it an issue that benefits you or um, benefits prosecutors?
2: I think it cuts both ways. i mean there's there's very few people around who were in the DA's office at that time, who have the institutional memory. Luckily, there is at least two that are looking at this case. Uh, in addition to that, um, as you mentioned, the lead prosecutor in the second trial, David uh, Khan passed away. Uh, the witness, who the, who Eric had written the letter to, his cousin, he has passed away. That was one of the reasons that the letter did not materialize until uh, the, until you know fairly recently, when you take it on the continuum of thirty three years. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, I don't know that this case is as much headed for a retrial as it is hopefully i mean if i from my lips to god's ears uh, as it is to a resolution a resolution that recognizes that they got as i say jobbed in trial number 2 and that there's got to be a fair resolution where they're released at this point i mean they certainly uh, have if they had been convicted back then of manslaughter which would have been the right result And even if you had maxed them out and consecutively sentenced them, they would have been out 34 years. uh, Really?
0: With consecutive? Maxed out and consecutive, they'd be out by now? Yep. Holy dinah. Uh, So, quick question. Um, If you prevail and you're able to vacate the the actual trial result, do you think prosecutors would retry? Or do, do you think they would look at it like, At this point, there's so many factors, like we mentioned, people who aren't around anymore, faded memories and a different culture that they would feel, I don't think we can get a conviction now. Do you think they would actually say, we're going to pass, we're going to take a big pass on retrying?
2: I I don't want to predict or be so presumptuous. I will just tell you this. The society looks at this through a completely different uh, prism right now. What they have done over, when I say they, the clients, Eric and Lyle, what they have done over the 34 years, I would stack that up against virtually anybody's philanthropic or charitable activities. I mean, it really is incredible. At some point when we do the filing, I'll come back up here and you can take a look at it. I think it'll blow you away. I mean, they have they have proven when, and by the way, a lot of times you will find this kind of Uh, revelation, if you will, with somebody who has a parole hearing coming up, with somebody who has kind of an exit strategy. Mind you, these they were young, they were sentenced to life without, and it has been about 18 years since they've had any hope whatsoever. That was the last appeal in the Ninth Circuit on the writ when they argued it and it was denied. It's been 18 years, and still, they didn't take the kind of pathway that you might expect was somebody who had lost all hope they did the opposite they they clearly decided to make truly the best of it and it's impressive
0: well then so I've got so many more questions for you first of all don't let me forget to ask you this one if I if I get sidetracked have you been talking to them recently and have they expressed any sort of interesting um, opinions or thoughts or have have they said anything to you about this this second track and and they're 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 shot at actually you know prevailing
2: I talk with a with great frequency and I will tell you that the the kind of self-awareness introspection thought process uh the development that obviously they they have acquired the skills that they have acquired and worked on is truly impressive and and I think in talking with them about the mitigation evidence that to me uh is something that I can spend hours Uh, talking to them about, because it truly, the kinds of the breadth and the depth of the programs, whether it is, as I mentioned before, whether it's inmate governance, whether it is programs helping other prisoners, whether it is, you know, they, Lyle played a pivotal role in the integration of the prison system. I mean, for those who aren't in the weeds in California, this was a huge deal many years ago when a federal court, yeah, it had ordered the integration.
0: You have to put me on the list for the first interview if they uh, if they get out. Is that a promise? Are you going to say that on national television?
2: And, uh, Ashley, you know I can't turn you down. You're relentless. <laughs>
0: They're relentless. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for journalists. Hey, Mark Ergos, thanks for sharing that uh, information with us. And um, stay tuned and keep us posted on what happens. Really appreciate it.
2: Be safe on Friday night, Ashley.
0: Thank you, uh, and have a good weekend yourself as well. All right, coming up after the break, um, the police said that he has no regard for human life and that he's going to kill again, the guy who killed Rachel Morin on a jogging trail. And that got us thinking, well, what kind of a jogging trail was it, and what, what do I have to look for? Can I go on the well-beaten path that's wide where all the families are, or do I have to, like, just stay inside? I'm going to give you an update what that path looked like and what other joggers have faced. Deviling, not only police near Baltimore, Maryland, but also people, just everyone. Why can't they find the killer of Rachel Morin, that runner who just went out for the same walk, run, hike that the rest of us always do? Broad daylight, six-ish in the evening, can't find the person who brutally murdered her and While we're all trying to get our heads around that, and this killer is still out there, uh, her family is making plans to bury her. And they've got the funeral planned for this Sunday. They are actually calling it a celebration of life to honour Rachel Marin, that mom of five. Uh, It's going to take place at the Greater Grace Church of Baltimore. 17 days ago, she was killed. Simple run, just went out for a run, and the next day was found, uh, if you believe the witnesses who say they saw her, unrecognizable. So the major break in the case came last week when the Hartford County Sheriff's Office released some video of a man, and this will be weird, in Los Angeles, all the way on the other coast. This is the video. He is leaving the scene of a crime because he broke himself in there in a home invasion, and he assaulted a young girl. And this is what he looks like. Can't get a great look at him, but you can get a good look at him. He left his DNA behind. And wouldn't you know it, it's the same DNA that he left behind at the scene of Rachel Moran's murder. So they're still looking for him. They're still looking to identify him. All the while, they're warning people to be careful on the trails. You know, hiking trails may not be safe. Look, some hiking trails and running trails, I know, I do it. They're, they're windy and they're skinny and they're dark and they're really desolate. And you know that that's kind of risky, right? Other hiking trails are wide open and family-friendly, and they're really well-populated like the Ma and Pa Trail where Rachel Moran went running. That's the one that's supposed to be safe. So how are you supposed to know? How are you supposed to know which one is okay when they really look okay? And what category is the Ma and Pa Heritage Trail? Is it the skinny-windy-scary, or the wide-open, family-friendly, well-traveled? Our News Nation correspondent, Evan Lambert, walked that trail to try to figure it out for himself, and also to figure out if women are still walking it, and he filed this report for us.
1: Ashley, this is where deputies found Rachel Morin's car in this parking lot that people use to access the Ma and Pa Trail. Now her picture is on the historic sign marking the trail that once used to be an old rail line connecting Maryland to Pennsylvania. The investigation has progressed.
2: We're following tips uh, as aggressively as we can.
1: Investigators say the 37-year-old mom of five would come here often, walking or running on this trail with all its twists and turns, it is one that is packed with people running, walking and cycling. People we've spoken to say that in the weeks since Rachel's murder, this place has actually thinned out a little bit because of that fear. And those still using it have made changes to protect themselves. So obviously today, walking with a buddy, um, but my mom also is a frequent flyer on this trail and she just per- purchased both of us um, pepper spray, the whistles that you pull, um, another whistle to just carry with us in our fanny packs, have on our wrists just so we're prepared in case we are walking alone. About a mile in from the parking lot near this dark tunnel is where it's believed investigators found the mom's body. She was walking on August 5th, Around 6 in the evening, when investigators say she was brutally attacked, her body not found until the next day. It is not clear which way the suspect went. You have these woods over here, this trail that leads back to the parking lot, a highway, and then this tunnel behind us. So far, the biggest lead is the video footage that we shared, so we're hoping people will take a close look at it. This suspect caught on video in L.A. After police say it appears he randomly committed a home invasion and assaulted a young woman inside the home in March. Watch as he leaves. A hand appears closing the door behind him. Deputies won't say who that is, but it's possible it's the victim or someone else who was there during the attack. This is the man deputies believe murdered Rachel because they found his DNA at both crime scenes. And those same community members who've been calling in tips in this search for a cold-blooded killer showed their support for Rachel and her family this past weekend. These flowers left behind are from a walk on the trail. Dozens of people out here traversing it in Rachel's honor. Ashley.
0: Evan Lambert doing the job for us tonight. Thank you for that, um, Evan. And I just want to reiterate that if you're in the Baltimore area or if you do this kind of travel, that might be something you want to uh, make mention of, that it's this Sunday at the Greater Grace Church of Baltimore. That's where her family plans to lay her to rest and host a celebration of life um, for that mom of five. So just ahead, a beautiful morning or afternoon, or evening and a very picturesque, you know, trail or or sidewalk or maybe an open field for a runner or a hiker or just a plain old walker. That's the kind of thing that you just, you know, live for, you just love. If only there weren't this incredible threat of dying a violent death on them. What is going on? Why is it so hard for women just to go for a run or just go for a walk or go for a hike, you know? on a Saturday evening at six when it's broad daylight. Um, this is something that all women runners and joggers live with every day. I mean, we really do. I, I used to run at four in the morning and I was carrying mace the whole time, every time. Now I don't run without my dog. But this, what happened to Rachel really highlights a certain kind of murder, right? And it is also one that is very, very difficult to solve. You're gonna find out why next. General rule of thumb, uh, when someone dies in a murder, you look to the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the husband, the wife, sometimes family members, etc. Because um, generally, that's where you get the solutions. According to the FBI, less than 10% of murders are actually total strangers. So 90% of them are going to be somebody they know. But that is not the case for Rachel Morin, and that is not the case for a lot of female joggers. As you're about to see, many of them are just literally in the wrong place at the wrong time. Here's a bit of a look back. In the spring of 2001, Chandra Levy had just wrapped up an internship with the Federal Bureau of Prisons in Washington. She was due to head back to California to receive her master's degree in public administration from USC. And she'd already started packing, when on May 1st, She visited Rock Creek Park in northwest D.C., maybe to run, maybe to walk, maybe just because it's a really nice place to hang out. But Chandra would never, ever be seen again. For a year and three weeks, Chandra Levy was a missing person, just like roughly half a million persons reported missing in the U.S. each and every year.
2: A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person.
0: <laughs> what we what back? <laughs> I want to
1: have faith
0: that she, she, she will come back. But the 24-year-old Levy wasn't just a missing person. She was the missing secret girlfriend of a married U.S. congressman. Gary Condit, Democrat from the 18th District of California... Chandra Levy's home district.
2: The Congressman, seen in this picture with Ms. Levy, says she's a great person and a good friend. He says she frequently visited his Capitol Hill office.
0: The convict connection came out within days of Levy's disappearance. At first, he denied it. But by July, he reportedly admitted it in private to police, who never called him a suspect.
2: The congressman was not a suspect before the meeting, he was not a suspect during the meeting and he is not a suspect since the meeting.
0: In fact, they publicly maintained he was not a suspect. Didn't matter though. The missing intern and the philandering congressman dominated airwaves and newsstands. There was no such thing as podcasts. For months. Until early September. When a much, there, yeah. much remember, bigger oh story took over. Oh my God. That looks like a
1: second plane.
0: As oh just I didn't
1: see a plane go in. That, that just exploded.
0: But Levy stayed missing. And Condit stayed firmly under a storm cloud of scandal throughout that fall and winter. And the following spring, the congressman lost his primary race to his own former aide. And in May of that year, a man walking his dog in Rock Creek Park found Chandra Levy's skull and her clothes on a wooded hillside that D.C. police never searched. By then, investigators could only guess how Levy died. And they had even less of an idea as to who killed her. An arrest wouldn't come for seven more years by a new group of detectives under a new D.C. police chief. But the name on the charging papers wasn't new. Ingmar Guandique. He'd been in police custody, locked up in their very own jail back when the Levy case was still a national obsession. He got there by assaulting two other women in Rock Creek Park. He admitted those attacks, but he denied attacking Levy So police gave him a lie detector test, which was mostly inconclusive. Mostly because Guandique was from El Salvador and barely spoke English. The examiner didn't speak Spanish. The police chief at the time called Guandique a person of interest, never a suspect, and never linked him officially to Levy. By 2009, that had changed. In 2010, Guandique stood trial on charges, including first-degree murder and kidnapping. Ex-Congressman Condit was a witness. He said he and Levy never had any cross words, but still refused to say that they'd been lovers. Guandique was convicted, but he won a new trial in 2015 because a jailhouse informant had lied on the stand and a potential new defense witness had emerged. But instead of starting over, without their key witness and with zero physical evidence, prosecutors walked away, choosing instead to deport Guandique to El Salvador. To this day, no one has been held accountable for Chandra Levy's disappearance and death, and that is not likely to change. Once prosecutors convince a jury that one person is guilty only to have that conviction thrown out, it is almost impossible to turn around and charge somebody else. So officially, the Chandra Levy case is as unsolved as it was the day her remains were discovered back on May 22, 2002. Eliza Fletcher's disappearance was allegedly solved in a day. On September 2nd last year, the 34-year-old kindergarten teacher and mother of two set out for a run at her usual time, 4 o'clock in the morning. And she was passing the University of Memphis not far from her home when a man jumped out of an SUV, forced her inside, and according to police, sexually assaulted her, shot her in the head, and dumped her body. There was evidence and witnesses that police on the chandra levy case could only dream about first and foremost surveillance video of the abduction itself and the discovery of fletcher's cell phone at the very same spot she was snatched also at the kidnap spot a pair of men's sandals with dna matching the suspects his name is cleotha abstin and he managed to elude Memphis detectives for maybe 36 hours? Virtually his whole adult life to that point had been spent in prison for a kidnapping that he'd committed when he was 16. Exactly one year before the attack on Fletcher, he allegedly committed a rape, but wasn't arrested because of chronic delays in processing rape kits across the state. After Fletcher's death, Tennessee lawmakers passed a measure aimed at cutting those delays and apparently they have by more than half. Fletcher's body was found three days after she vanished at a vacant duplex near an apartment house where Abstin's brother lived. Earlier, the brother told police that Abstin had showed up the day of the attack, quote, acting very strangely washing his clothes in a sink and scrubbing the suv he is still awaiting trial on charges of first-degree murder and quote especially aggravated kidnapping end quote and prosecutors announced in july they will seek the death penalty if he is convicted between the attacks on chandra levy in washington and eliza fletcher in memphis Molly Tibbetts was killed in 2018 while running in her hometown of Brooklyn, Iowa. Molly was just 20 years old, and her story was a constant in cable news until her killer was arrested and convicted. A local farmhand, unknown to Tibbetts, was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. In 2016, three Female runners were killed in nine days. Alexandra Bruger in Detroit, Karina Vetrano in New York City, and Vanessa Marcotte in Princeton, Massachusetts. And it is not just an American problem. A nine-country survey commissioned by Adidas found that 92% of women runners say they do not feel safe when they're out on the trail or in the park or on the streets, alone. You know, any of us can be victims of crimes of opportunity, even little kids who are in places that are meant to be a refuge from the dangers of the outside world. Coming up in just a moment, I'm going to take you back uh, to a case where if you were alive at the time, uh, you were unable to forget this. And if you weren't alive at the time, you won't believe that it actually happened. It's out of Oklahoma, and it is a summer case on the last Friday of this summer's August, involving these three little girls. The story is coming up after the break. My name is uh, Jinghui Zhang. I'm the chair of a computational biology department at Seiju Children's Research Hospital. As a data scientist, I feel so excited about seeing the potential impact, not only on the kids treated at St. Jude, but across the world. And I think this is a great use of the trust we got from our donors.
1: Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the
0: U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe, safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org
1: where can the skills you learn with ham radio take you amateur radio often called ham radio is the place where today's engineers got their start ham radio is more popular than ever before with hands-on training in electronics engineering and digital communications modern hams interface computers and radios in entirely new ways ham radio in the 21st century can take you around the world or into a whole new career learn more go to arrl.org join us
0: AM Radio provides always-on news, sports, talk, traffic, and weather reports. And it's also a vital service that provides important emergency information when your community needs it most. Tell Congress you need AM Radio to stay in your car. Because when cell phones and the Internet are down, this free emergency service is critical. And when you don't have electricity, radio in the car is often your only lifeline. Text AM to 52886 and tell Congress we need AM Radio in cars. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters.
1: Serving in Afghanistan, I was shot in the head by sniper fire. I was given a 5% chance to live. I'm Adam Alexander, and I'm a veteran. Today, I visit classrooms and share my story. I tell kids that with a little help and a lot of work, that you can overcome any challenge. DAV helps veterans like Adam get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year. My victory is being there for the
2: next generation. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to News Nation on the go. Available 24 7 in the News Nation app, or just say, Alexa, play News Nation.
1: I thought the Virginia Lottery had lost it when I first heard about new games every Tuesday. That's just too good to be true. But now I'm Tuesday's biggest fan. The Lottery has new online instant games coming out the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. That's twice the games and twice the Tuesday. I'm twice as tickled. I feel too
0: stastic! This week, play new instant games online or in the Virginia Lottery app. With new games every Tuesday, playing never gets old. Visit valottery.com slash Tuesday.
1: After I lost my mom, I lost my way. Then I found youth advocate programs, YAP, behavioral health services. As a little kid, I made some mistakes, but I'm not a mistake. YAP gives communities alternatives to residential care, youth incarceration, and neighborhood violence. After completing our program, nearly 90% of participants remain in their community. YAP works. I'm working towards a bright future. Youth advocate programs. Others talk social change. We make it happen. Learn more at yapinc.org.
0: My mom has taken up going to the park to practice yoga. My dad's going to a club, but not a book club, a salsa club.
2: Finding new hobbies comes with age.
0: My mom has started getting lost and not knowing where she's going.
2: Becoming lost or disoriented doesn't. Confusion with time or place may be a sign of Alzheimer's. An early diagnosis can help improve the quality of life for your loved one. Learn the warning signs of Alzheimer's at 10signs.org. Brought to you by the Alzheimer's
0: Association and the Ad Council. Over, hmm, fall is coming, and then winter. And along with that really haunting feeling is this case that is like half a century old that happened in the summer at a summer camp, at a sleepaway camp, where three little Girl Scouts were murdered. And you would think, you would think, that with three little Girl Scouts murdered at a sleepaway camp where we are supposed to be safe and we are supposed to be as far away from the evils of the world. You would think we could solve it, but we couldn't. We thought that this, this end of summer, um, was a good time to revisit that case. In Oklahoma, a manhunt underway. Three Girl Scouts aged eight, nine, and 10 were discovered beaten to death today. Eight-year-old Lori Farmer, nine-year-old Michelle Gousset, and 10-year-old Denise Milner had just arrived for summer camp in Locust Grove on the Cherokee Nation, just east of Tulsa. On a Sunday evening in June 1977, the night before their two-week adventure was due to begin, Lori, Michelle and Denise were assigned to tent number seven, which happened to be the farthest from the counselor's tent and partially obscured by the showers. Around 6 the next morning, a counselor, hoping to shower before the campers woke up, saw a sleeping bag on the edge of the nearby woods, where a sleeping bag should not have been. Part of a young girl's body was sticking out. And quickly the counselors discovered that all three girls from tent number 7 were gone. They called the police, and the police discovered all three girls were inside that sleeping bag more than a hundred yards from their tent. All three had been beaten, strangled, raped, and mutilated.
2: The evidence strongly indicates that the girls were attacked while sleeping in their tent, were sexually assaulted, and were taken from the tent and left some distance away.
0: What followed was the largest manhunt in Oklahoma history. Scores of police and more than 600 armed volunteers prowling the woods, searching for clues, searching for a monster. All while the Mays County Sheriff thought he knew exactly whom they should be searching for. Gene Leroy Hart. He was a convicted rapist who'd grown up nearby and had twice escaped from the Mays County Jail. He'd been on the lam for four years. It took the police 10 days to name him and charge him, but another 10 months to track him to the tar paper shack of a Cherokee medicine man 50 miles away.
1: At 4.15 p.m. this afternoon, agents of the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation arrested Gene Leroy Hart at a rural residence in the and Hills
2: in southern adair county
0: the same hills the same woods that hid the gangster pretty boy floyd back in the 1930s hart went to trial three counts of first degree murder the state had a few pieces of physical evidence including a flashlight found near the bodies and a bloody footprint hart had a lawyer who'd never tried a murder case in his life He believed Hart was being railroaded by a sheriff with a grudge. And he didn't believe the evidence for a minute.
2: There's a thumbprint on the flashlight, and it's not Hart's thumbprint. And then another piece of evidence was that there was a footprint in the blood in the tent. The footprint was, I think, a nine and a half, and Hart's feet were 11 and a half. So you can't change your fingerprints or shrink
0: your feet and the jury believed him case closed they acquitted him and afterwards a juror said the panel had made up its mind in 5 minutes but Hart went to prison anyway for the jail breaks and some burglary counts and violating his parole his sentence 308 years of which he served a little over 2 months In June of 79, Gene Hart dropped dead of a heart attack while jogging in the prison yard. Officially, the case of the Girl Scout murders remains unsolved and open even now. And Camp Scott, where that happened today, if you were to go there, there's just some burned out mess hall and a clearing in the woods, but really no evidence of anything else. What is interesting, though, is that the parents of Lori Farmer, uh, Charles and Sherry Farmer, told People Magazine that they still visit, they still lay flowers, and that they are still hoping for resolution, but that they said one of the law enforcement authorities said to them, sometimes the guilty go free. That is really hard to hear. All right, we're going to uh, change course coming back after the break. Um, it's the final Friday of August. I consider it the final Friday of summer, you know. And so what better thing to do than to look at all the people who went boating this summer who probably should not have. That's next.
2: Meet Keith, loving dad, board game champ, bus driving pro. I drive 65,000 miles in my bus each year. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. Like how there are some things I simply can't see. On my route the other day, a car tried to sneak past me and ends up right in my blind spot. I turned slowly, so accident avoided. But no car should be in the blind spot for a 40,000-pound bus. It's It's our roads. It's our our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
1: Wounded Warrior Project helps post-9-11 veterans and their families realize what's possible with support and resources that bring warriors together and empower them to become stronger, both inside and out. It's possible to begin healing, to get the help you need, to find peace. And as each warrior's needs evolve, so do we, because these last 20 years are just the beginning. Learn more at woundedwarriorproject.org slash possible.
0: The impact of a meal goes well beyond feeding our bodies because feeling full can sound like this. How did the interview go? I did it. I got the job. I can't believe it. And like this. Mom, I got first place at the science fair with my volcano project.
1: That's amazing, sweetie.
0: Congratulations. Because when people are fed, futures are nourished, and everyone deserves to live a full life. Join the movement to end hunger at feedingamerica.org slash act now. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Many Americans have missed regular dental care in the past few years. It's important to see a dentist twice a year to identify any problems early. Taking care of your oral health helps overall health. Brushing at least twice a day with fluoride toothpaste and flossing daily can help prevent oral health problems. For more information, visit hrsa.gov oral health. A few years ago, Steve Faircow's lungs were failing. I don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received a lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. Now Steve can do things he never imagined, like climbing 94 floors to the top of a skyscraper.
1: I never knew that breathing could feel this good. It's an incredible gift.
0: What could you make possible as an organ eye and tissue donor? Leave behind the gift of life. Go to organdonor.gov, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration babes what are you doing what i'm just mowing the lawn no it's blazing hot and dry out here don't you remember smoky bear says avoid
2: using power equipment when it's windy or dry where'd you learn this
0: oh
1: it's
2: on smokybear.com with many other wildfire prevention tips right thanks honey bear because remember only you can prevent
1: wildfires brought to you by the usda forest service your state forester and the ad council
2: This is Cuomo on NewsNation's audio stream. Available 24-7 on the NewsNation app. Or just say, Alexa, play NewsNation.
1: Hi, I'm Ryan Blaney, a third-generation race car driver. And I dedicate a lot of my time going fast. But when my grandpa was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, it was a very unexpected bump in the road for us. It's important to notice if older family members are acting differently or having trouble with routine tasks. Early detection of Alzheimer's can give your family time to explore support services and access available treatments. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. Visit alz.org slash time to talk a message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
2: Maybe he was born with his witty humor. Some people bring joy wherever they go. Some whenever they go. Or as a frontier newspaper reporter. There's nothing to be learned from the second kick of a mule. Maybe he got his insights from being a riverboat captain. Never argue with a fool. Onlookers may not be able to tell the difference. Wherever he went, Mark Twain found humor all around. Humor. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com.
0: Dear Hero, whoever you are, you save lives. I live with sickle cell and the pain and the issues that come along with sickle cell every day. I'm most grateful that people are willing to go out there and take their time, their blood, and give me new life. Because of you, I'm allowed to see my son grow up. Giving equals living. Give blood. Replenish the supply. Learn more at
1: hhs.gov slash Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
2: We are the Veterans Health Administration, and our HANDS provide life-changing care to over 9 million veterans across more than 1,200 facilities nationwide. Join HANDS with us to make an impact in your community. Learn more at vacareers.va.gov.
0: You're going back soon. Sorry. Uh, one thing I wanted to share with you, though, is that this summer I spent a lot of time in Canada. And where I live in Canada is on an island, and so I have to commute into work by boat. And so I was doing a lot of boating, as I normally do when I'm up here in Canada. Eh? Uh, and I've got a little video to show you. Like, I'm pretty proficient at this. This is me in the daylight. But I also uh, boat in pitch black waters because I know where all those buoys are and where all those islands are. And I've never had a bad incident. That's across fingers and touch wood. However, that is not uh, the situation for a lot of um Boaters across the good old US of A because as usual, videographers are out there and just waiting for the, the Susan, that moment where they get to see other boaters who maybe shouldn't be behind the wheel. Take a look.
1: Turn the motor off. Yeah. Player first, Terry. How much have you had to drink? I have, I have no alcohol. I'm looking at an empty beer can.
0: Well, that was a proposal that, well, they got something to tell the grandkids. Uh, hey, thanks for being with me tonight, everybody. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you right back here on Monday. In the meantime, stay tuned, because you know who's coming up next, one Chris Cuomo, also a voter. <laughs> Have a good weekend.